This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. God say? What? Hallelujah. God says yes. What is your need? God says yes. All the promises of God are, and we add our amen, don't we? All this month we've been talking about God says yes. God says yes. And I want to tell you what, you know what, we need to learn to stand our ground with God. Amen? Because we live in a fallen world, there's going to be a lot of no's coming at you. You can't. You won't. God won't. You can't have it. You can't have it. But God says yes. And I want to tell you what. God's yes will trump every no in your life if you'll take a stand. Now, it's not automatic. I wish it was. In heaven, it's automatic. So when we get to heaven, hallelujah, it's automatic. You know why? There's no sin there. There's no devils there. There's no unbelief there. There's nothing there to hinder it. But here we fight the good fight of, so we have to do that. So we're going to finish up our series today on God Says Yes, and it's about household salvation. Household salvation. God desires our family, our loved ones, to be saved, to come into the kingdom. And I think what we forget, and this is what I want to, what I felt the Holy Spirit was leading me to do, because there's a lot of different things you could talk about with household salvation. But I want to talk about, uh, from a, approach it from our covenant connections and the authority that we possess through those covenant connections with our family to see them come into the kingdom. Come into the kingdom. Look in Genesis, uh, I was just reading that, but look in Genesis 12. Covenant blessings uh, are powerful things. Our, our connection with our families, we who are believers, we who are in covenant relationship with God, I'm going to tell you something. The power of that covenant extends and should extend even beyond us into those of our family. Come on. Absolutely. Look here what God told Abraham. Verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, had said to Abraham, Go out from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Wow. When God made this covenant with Abraham, he said this. He said, now, he said, I'm making this covenant between you and I. You're, you're, my, you're my faith man. And they go, faith woman, Sarah was faith woman. He said, you are my faith man. You are my faith person. You are connected to me and my covenant through faith. And he said, but because of that, the blessing is going to extend to all the families on the earth. So, you know, there was a covenant connection there. And, of course, we see it in Abram's immediate family, because he was blessed, Isaac was blessed, 
because Isaac was blessed, Jacob was blessed. And, you know, just a little side note there, it took a while for Jacob to connect to his blessing. <laughs> Amen. He tried to figure it out. He tried to work it all out. He tried to steal it. He tried to do everything he could. Then he ran off for 20 years doing whatever. <laughs> but, you know, he came back. I said he came back. There was a covenant connection there. There was a covenant blessing there that extended to his family. Now, look over here. I, was, I just read a little something from Genesis 14, but let's look over there. Now, not only did this uh, extend to Isaac and Jacob and, of course, on down to the generations, but, you know, even his nephew got in on the blessing. Remember, Isaac, I mean, a lot in Abram, it says they came out together, and it says eventually, because of Abraham's covenant connection, not Lot's, they both prospered so much they had to separate from one another, the land couldn't support them. Man, he just got in over the overflow. Whoo! Amen. Listen, God wants your family to get in on over overflow of the blessings of the covenant relationship that you're in with God. Look here, it says, you know the story. I'm just going to pick up part of it. Uh, you know, Lot, they had to separate because, uh, you know, Lot was so blessed along with Abraham. So he went, you know, towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and you know the story there. The kings attacked uh, those cities and took them captive, and it came word, came back to Abram, said, Abram, you know, Lot's been taken captive. So, you know, Abraham didn't say, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Lot, why, why, God, why? No, you know what? Abraham took action. Man, he's like, hey, you know what? I'm in covenant relationship with God. I, you know, there's only like 300-something of us, but I believe we can take all three of these kings. Now, I'm reading between the lines, but that's what it is. He had 318, and he went. There were three kings with three armies. I mean, he, this guy, I mean, Abram, I, man, you like get more you read about Abram, boy, the more you like him. He was in covenant relationship. See, a lot of times something happens to one of our loved ones, and we go to wringing our hands. Instead of taking action. Amen? Now, notice what it says. It says, uh, verse 11, 14, 11. It says, The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all, and all their food, and they went away. And they also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. Then a man who escaped came and told him. So, uh, uh, in verse 15, it says, During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them. Man, he didn't just beat them. He, you know, when you route somebody, that means that you put them on the run. They don't even take their stuff with them because we see later on, Abraham took all their stuff. He gave a tenth of it. That's, a, that's, part of, that's what he tithed off of to Melchizedek. It was all the stuff these three kings had gotten. It says, <clears throat> during the night, he, he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the men, the women, and, uh, and, and the other people. 
Now notice here, because of his covenant relationship, he was able to go and set his family free. I want you to see this. This is a covenant relationship. He's saying, and we know this, Galatians 3, 13 says, If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We have an even better covenant. We have really, it's the same covenant because Abraham had a covenant with God by grace because Jesus said he saw my day and rejoiced. Paul tells us in Romans 4 that it wasn't circumcision that saved Abraham or the law. It was his faith, and he was justified. God counted it as righteousness. Same way with us. We have faith in the finished work of Jesus, and we have been counted as righteous by faith. So we're in covenant relationship. So we have that same kind of connection. And I dare say in this room that we all have family members that are not serving God. We, want, we desire to see them saved, but you know, today I want us to, to see it in a little bit different light and make sure that we're not being passive about it. I mean, Abraham could have just sit back when he heard the news, well, you know, serves him right. He shouldn't have gone down there to Sodom anyway, bunch of sinners. Come on, I know a lot of spirit-filled, tongue-talking people that would have said that very thing. Come on. Well, he got what he deserved. Went down there among them bunch of heathen. Come on now, it's awful quiet in here. Y'all was all humming with me a minute ago. See, it's real easy to do that, isn't it? It's real easy. Well, you know, he made his bed, let him lie in it. Did anybody know what I mean by that? You young folks might have to Google it. <laughs> We were talking to you the other day. Who was it we were talking to? I think it was Brother Gill, wasn't it? At, the, at Caleb's wedding the other night, we were talking about when we're teaching, we have to be careful because we, we use certain examples, and, uh, you know, they're out of date because we're getting so old. <clears throat> His family was blessed with him. I want you to see this. It's a covenant, covenant with God. Our families can be blessed. Proverbs 11, 21, it says, The descendants of the righteous people will escape. Woo. Yes, the descendants, Proverbs eleven twenty one. the descendants of righteous people will escape. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. Our family members, listen, because we're in covenant. Yes, they may be down there, you know, with a bunch of heathen. I don't know. Or they may just be doing their own thing. Or they may, whatever it might be. <clears throat> Pardon me. But you know what? We've got a relationship with God. We've got a covenant relationship. And because of that, I'm going to tell you something. We have been given authority. We have been given the power of God's promise, His blood, His Spirit. And we, if we will rise up and do something, be proactive, we can do exactly what Abraham did. Just take back some of that devil's goods when you come back. You bring them back, just bring some of his stuff back to you. Amen. Hallelujah. We got some projects we want to do around here you can just bring back some of the devil's stuff when you get your family and you can tithe off of that and we'll get it done well hey you get to keep 90 percent of that. that's a pretty good deal isn't that right <clears throat> the power of family intercessors look over matthew 15 but as i said we've got to be proactive 
you know, it's good that you're praying. That's a good thing. Don't misunderstand me. But, you know, in our praying, we need to use our authority. We're not begging God to save them. Listen, if you think about it, God's done everything He can do to save them. He sent Jesus. Jesus went to the cross. He bore their sins. He shed His blood. He was raised from the dead. He's seated on high. You know, He's sending uh, people, messengers to them, the, the gospel message to them. He's doing everything. And, you know, a lot of times we want to put it all on God. Well, God has His part, but we have our part too. And I've always found this to be the case. When things aren't working, it's usually not God's fault. It's usually somewhere over here with this old boy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's where I look first. I don't look to say, God, what's the matter with you? I'm looking over here first. Amen. So let's start, look at power of family intercession. Look at this one here in Matthew 15. <clears throat> let's look at about verse uh, 22. It says, A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. I mean, you know, you, you may have family members that are suffering. They may be in, in, in so, under some terrible oppression, addiction, whatever it might be. I'm going to tell you what, this, this woman here, she said, said my daughter is demon-oppressed. Demon-possessed, excuse me, boy, it's even worse than oppression. And suffering terribly. Have any family members that are suffering terribly? Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. Sounds like some modern-day church people. We ain't got time to fool with her. This old Canaanite woman. She's not even one of us. I know she don't talk in tongues. God ain't going to do nothing for her. Come on. She's not in our camp. God ain't going to do nothing for her. Send her away. <laughs> he said, and he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, I want you to see the power of understanding. This woman was not even at that time, did not have a covenant relationship. But I want to show you the power of intercession. And, and, and what this woman's faith was able to do, even without a covenant, what should we be able to do? The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help, <clears throat> help me. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. She said, yes, it is, Lord, because even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. Now, how many times are we so quick to give up, even though we are covenant people? Even though we say, God has told us, you come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and help in time of need, not just for ourselves, but also for our families. He said, come boldly, courageously, confidently, full of faith. He didn't say crawl up there. And mealy mouth. You go up there and tell him what? Yeah, this is what I want. This is what I'm believing. This is what I'm declaring. God, just, just like this woman, my family member, <laughs> they're away from God. 
They're under some kind of delusion or, or addiction or whatever it might be. Lord, I'm not going to let it rest until they are delivered. I'm not going to let it rest until they are saved. Now, you, you can imagine this woman not having a covenant. Then when she made this request to Jesus, and then he didn't say a word. You ever prayed about a family member, and you seem like you didn't get a word? Come on. And that the more you prayed, the worse they got? Hello? I'm going to tell you what, you need to learn to persevere. See, great faith is, is faith that perseveres. Great faith doesn't give up. Great faith is not discouraged when it doesn't see anything right away. Great faith is not giving up when it looks like God's not saying or doing anything. Great faith don't give up. Great faith perseveres. It keeps on keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, keeps on keeping on, keeping on, and keeps on keeping on. Amen? Absolutely. So we need to learn to stand for our family members. We're going to stand for them. I'm, listen, I, I'm, I refuse to go to heaven without my family. Lord, it's not my time yet. When my, all my family gets in order, then it'll be time for me to go. But now it's not time yet because I, I, no, sir. Come on. Look, look at Matthew 8. Let's look at another example of family intercessors, so to speak. Now, this is, this is someone interceding for somebody that, that was not a blood family, but in relationship was like family, the centurion and his servant. You know the story. Centurion came to Jesus. He had a beloved servant that was, you know, sick, and the inference was, you know, if he didn't get better, he was going to die. He was very sick. So the centurion comes to Jesus. Verse 8 says, Lord, I don't deserve. Jesus, he came to Jesus in verse 5. He came there in verse 6. He said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you under my roof. Now listen. See, he didn't have a covenant either with, with, with the Lord. Are you listening to me? So I say that because I don't want you going off and saying, oh, Lord, I don't deserve it. But if somehow you could say, no, you've got a covenant relationship. This man didn't. But he, nevertheless, we're going to see how his faith still moved the hand of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, and brought deliverance. How much more we who are children of God, who have his spirit going, Abba, Father, within us, how much more? Lord said, I don't deserve to have you come into my roof, but just say the word. Woo! Man, this centurion, he was one of the first word of faith people, I believe. Come on. He said, say the word. He just said, say the word. My servant will be healed. Now, here's the, here's the principle I want you to get. For I myself am a man under authority. With soldiers under me, and I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, listen, this man, this centurion, he understood how authority works. He said, you just say the word, Lord, and it's done. Listen, the Bible tells us that we have been given authority as believers in Christ Jesus 
that all things are under his feet. and We're the body, so I don't care if you're the little, bottom of the little toe. That means they're under you. Amen? Principalities and powers. Evil spirits that are, are at work against our family members. Listen, we've been given authority. And you need to rise up in the name of Jesus and in that authority and say the word. You need to speak the word over your family members. The word of deliverance. The word uh, uh, that breaks the bondages of darkness. Amen? And that's what Jesus said. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Now, I'm going to tell you what. When you can amaze Jesus, that's pretty, pretty special, isn't it? I mean, he was amazed. Wow. He, he was amazed, and he said, uh, he said to those following me, he said, Truly I tell you, I have not found faith anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now, isn't it sad? The commentary on the covenant people of Jesus' day. He said, here is a, a Roman, a pagan, who has greater faith than the covenant people of God. Hello. Let's not that be said about our generation. Come on. I mean, if anybody should have great faith, it should be found in the house of God. It should be found in the people of God. It should be found in the heart of the believer, shouldn't it? It should be there for us. And he said this. He said, I've not found such great faith. And then he said, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And the servant was healed at that moment. So we see uh, a family connection healed, a family connection delivered from demonic oppression. We know this. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that Satan is the God of this world, and he is the one who blinds the minds, the understanding of the unbeliever. And so we need to rise up in our authority because of our covenant connection with God and our connection with our families. We need to rise up in the authority of Christ Jesus using that name, speaking God's Word, and putting the enemy to flight from our family members. And if we don't do it, there is no one else to do it. Well, I don't know, Pastor. I've been praying for him a long time. Well, maybe you need to do something different. Maybe you need to speak the word like you've been praying like the Canaanite woman. Maybe you need to speak the word like the, the centurion said. Just speak the word. Speak the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, I break that controlling spirit over my son or daughter or grandchild or whoever it is. In the name of Jesus, take your hands off of him. You cannot have him. I will not permit it. Well, didn't Jesus say whatever you permit will be permitted? Whatever you, whatever you allow will be allowed. Whatever you disallow, or as the King James says, whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. And the problem with a lot of Christians is there's a lot of stuff loose that needs to be bound. They're waiting on God to do it. And God said for you to do it. He didn't say pray to God that whatever's loose would be bound. He said whatever's loose, you need to bind it. Amen? And if a devil's loose in your family, you need to bind it. Amen? Sickness is loose in your family, you need to bind it. Stand up in your authority and say, no, I'm not standing for this. I will not have this. I will not permit it. Sometimes we have to stir ourselves up. Amen? 
Hallelujah. I'm trying to. Look over in Luke 10. You know, sometimes, you, you know, I'm sure we probably all have heard this before, but you know, sometimes you have to stir something up. Paul said, Timothy said, stir something up. You know, part of, uh, you know, you look at the definition of, of stir, S-T-I-R, you know, it means to uh, cause something that is settled to the bottom to come back up. You stir it up. Amen. And so that's what he's saying. He's got to stir it up. So that's what I'm trying to do is just stir it up. Maybe not, nothing new to you, but stir something up. In Luke 10 and verse 19, he says, I have given you. Now, is that present, past, or future tense? I have given. What is it? Past. That means it's done. It's already done. See, you need to acknowledge what you've been given. I said, you need to acknowledge what you've been given. You don't need to ask God to give it to you again. He's already given it. You need to acknowledge what God has given. And the best way to acknowledge it is to act on it. I have given you authority. He has given you authority, Passion Church. Authority. 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 And see, all of heaven backs that authority. Authority. You're authorized to do something here. Now notice what he says. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. How much power of the enemy? All except the biggins. All except the toughens. All except them kind. No, all. It's authority. It's authority. You have authority to bind them. You have authority to break their power. You have been given authority. You, you know what authority is like. You've seen a policeman, haven't you? Policeman's out in the road. Maybe the light's not working or something. Throws up his hand. I mean, he's not getting out there and trying to hold, I mean, putting his shoulder to the cars and trying to hold back a whole line of cars, is he? You'd wonder, what in the world's wrong with him? But you see some Christians, you know, sometimes spirit-filled Christians, we can be the worst at it. I mean, we're huffing and puffing and, you know, trying to hold it back. No, he, is, he said, you've been given authority. What holds the cars back? Not his strength. Authority. And see, it's not your strength that defeats the enemy, but it is your authority. Because we know behind that policeman is the authority either of a state, local, or federal government, whichever the case may be. Isn't that right? Well, the devil knows that behind your authority is the power of the living God. And he's already had some of that. And see, you might try to, you, might try to, uh, you know, to, to disregard that policeman's authority, but you could also pay for it, couldn't you? And the devil may try to disregard your authority, but he's going to pay for it. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. Amen. Over all the power, nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. Wow. Glory to God. So we need to take our place, our authority, our covenant connection with God and with our families. And we, you know what? We're going to declare this. You know what? My families are going to be saved. I'm drawing the line. And I'm not talking about next year, next, next 10 years. I'm, I'm, today is the day of salvation. 
I mean, we need to just settle it. Settle it. Get in your prayer closet and settle it before heaven and before the devil. Settle it. <laughs> Amen. So that's our authority in prayer. Doesn't matter what the devil. I don't care what the devil says. He can say no all he wants to. God's already said yes. <laughs> Amen. He's a liar anyway. Why you want to listen to him for? He'll steer you wrong every time. <laughs> Amen. Faith for our family. Turn over to familiar scripture, Acts 16. Faith for our family. We've seen the power of family intercessors there, the covenant blessings that can be passed on. You know, so many scriptures, we won't have time to look at them, you know, in Proverbs and the Psalms, it talks about, you know, the blessing being passed on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. That's what it's all about, church, the next generation. And I want to tell you what, I want, I want to see my family, my kids and my grandkids, I want to see them blessed immeasurably more than dad or granddad ever was. Amen? Absolutely. I don't understand these Christians that get all upset because somebody's blessed more than they are. Come on. We ought to be rejoicing over it. Hallelujah. May God make all of you a millionaire. I'll be just delighted, happy. <laughs> Amen. Hey, you ain't going to see me getting all uptight because God's blessing you. I'm going to rejoice with you. Amen. 1631. You know, this is a story, you know, Paul and Silas were locked up. They begin to praise God at night, and, you know, and the power of God fell, and the, all the cells uh, were opened, and the chains fell off, and the jailer called for light. He rushed in, verse 29, trembling for them, said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, he's thinking about himself, understandably. But he's thinking, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But they didn't stop there. I think because they understood about the connection of covenant. And he went on, and you and your household. Wow. You know what they were saying? He said, you get saved first. And then, because of the covenant connection that you have with God, your whole household shall be saved. Now, here's the thing. What are you saying about your household? Wrestle, 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 wrestle. Ain't never going to amount to wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. What in the world... Sure, wish he'd straighten up. Come on. What are we saying? What are we saying? Are we speaking out of the covenant? Are we speaking out of our frustrations or our feelings or our hurts or our emotions? Thank you. <laughs> he said, if you believe first, then because of that connection, your authority, the covenant that you have with God, your whole household shall be saved. That's what we should be saying. 
Not hope they're saved, not might be saved, but they shall be saved. They shall be saved. God said, yes, they shall be saved. I'm in co co uh, covenant connection with God, relationship there. Therefore, I'm going to extend it over my family. I'm going to take the authority I have in Christ Jesus, and I am going to see my whole household delivered, just like Abram delivered Lot. He delivered Lot in a natural way, but we're going to deliver our lots in a spiritual way. Amen. Turn over to 1 John. You know the Scripture too, but it won't hurt to look at it again. Now, I already mentioned the Scripture there over in Hebrews where he says, he said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain help and mercy in time of need. So we, we have an invitation to come boldly, boldly, amen? You're going to go home today to your home. Now, are you going to sneak in, climb in through the back window, try to get through the doggy door? No, you know what you're going to do? I'm telling you, when I go in, I'm going to go boldly through the front door. Yeah, this is my house. Well, he said, come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm not trying to sneak in through the doggy door. <laughs> God's got one. I'm going to come boldly. I'm going to come through the front door, right up to the front door of the throne room. I'm going to come by the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to come by faith. So keep that in mind. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. We come by the blood of the Lamb. Boy, we got confidence. I got confidence. Ooh, I got confidence. I got boldness. I got assurance. I got a personal invitation from Almighty God who is my Father. Come boldly. You know, I take it a step further. When, my kid, when our kids come to visit, they don't sneak in through the back door or the window either. You know what they do? They come boldly through the front door. Hey, Dad, Mom, I'm home. Man, and we're just thrilled. Thrilled beyond measure. You know what I'm talking about. Isn't that right? Or the grandkids, they just come boldly. Not only that, man, they just come boldly to the refrigerator. They come boldly. <laughs> you know what? But here's the thing. You know, we don't get all mad and slap their hands. I hope you don't. If you do, you need, you know, another dip. Not a dip of snuff either. <laughs> no, you know, we're, we're just, I mean, I'm smiling all the way. Just help yourself, son. Whatever's there. What can I have? Whatever's there. Listen, if we're like that, oh, what do you think your father, your heavenly father's like? He said, you just come with confidence. Come with boldness for your family members. I mean, you know he wants them saved even more than you do because Jesus gave his life for them. He said, this is the confidence. Man, I like that. In approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, we know it's not God's will that any should perish. He just said, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your whole household shall be saved. So we know God wants them to be saved. 
If there is anything, any one thing that any, all Christians everywhere should be able to agree on is that God wants to save everyone. Amen. We split hairs about a lot of other things, but we do believe this, that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, according to 1 John. So when I pray and I come boldly, bringing my loved ones there, man, I'm telling you what, and I come with that authority. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know. Boy, I like all these no's, don't you? Wow. He said, we know that He hears us. We know that we have. Woo. Hallelujah. Man, if you know you have $100, you're not too worried about buying a Happy Meal, are you? Come on. See, something, you need to look in your heavenly account. You'd be a lot less worried. <laughs> Come on. I mean, you know, I pull up, up to McDonald's and, you know, I'm begging for a Happy Meal and the whole time, I, you know, I got $100 in my wallet. Come on. But that's the way we approach in prayer. We act like we're bankrupt. Oh, God, if you could see your way to give me a quarter. Help me out here. No, he said, come boldly. Boldly. Go to the throne like you go in your house. I belong here. I belong here. This is my daddy's throne room. Amen. All right. So here's the thing. I want to close up by asking you to do this. What are you seeing and what are you saying when it comes to your family members? Boy, this, see, it's all, it's all gravy up until now. <laughs> Woo, yeah, we all amen it. But here's the thing. What are you seeing and what are you saying? <laughs> Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. It is written... I believe, therefore I've spoken. All right, here you go. Are you going to believe what is written or what you see? <laughs> he said, because it's written, I believe. And because I believe, I say. But if you believe more in what you see than what is written, then you're going to just talk about what you see in them. I'm telling you. Oh, man. You know, and every time you see somebody, you're going to be asking them, pray for my son. I mean, he's away. He's full of the devil. He's on drugs. He's blah, 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 blah. Wait, I'll go get a bucket, and you can throw up mitt. I, I'm not belittling people's concern. I'm not doing that. But here's the thing. <laughs> you know, if we're going to believe what God says, we're going to have to ignore what we see. Until what we see lines up with what we believe. What is written. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and household shall be saved. And if I stand my ground and use my authority and I break the power of the devil, I'm telling you what, that's it. He's got to obey. 
Because God said. Because God said, I can say. Because it's written, I can believe. Because I believe, I can say. Jesus said, whosoever shall say, (laughs) and not doubt, but shall believe that those things he says that come to pass, he will have whatever he says. See, this is our problem sometimes. See, we pray one way, but then we talk another. We pray to the God of miracles, and then we get out and talk like he's not a God of miracles. Well, I sure hope, I sure hope he gets saved. I, I hope one of these days, I just, I, just, I just hope, I hope. Listen, you need to move from hope to faith. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we know this, the Bible says that God has given to every believer a measure of faith, isn't it right? So I have a measure, you have a measure of God's faith, amen? Because the faith you got, it come from God. So it's God's faith, a measure of it. So if it's God's faith, I can guarantee you it's going to work because he don't have anything that don't work. Amen. But he says we need to cultivate. He said we should, we should as believers, we should be uh, people who are seen as a, having a spirit of faith. In other words, we're quick to believe. Instead of quick to doubt, quick to fear, be quick to believe. Believe what's written. Believe what God said. Believe in the covenant. Believe in the name of Jesus. Believe in the blood of the Lamb. Believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Believe in the authority God's given you. That's the spirit of faith. You cultivate that. You know, just like you plant a garden, you plant seeds, you get out there, you cultivate that thing. You water it, you, you pull the weeds up, you do everything you can to nurture that thing. Stop nurturing your doubts and start nurturing your faith. <clears throat> Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. In verse 18, here's the key. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Now, isn't that an odd way to say something? We're going to put our attention on what is not seen. That's what he's saying here. He says, we're going to, fix our, we're going to put our attention, our focus is going to be on what we do not see. With the natural eyes. We look at the natural eyes. We look at our family member. We look at their condition. We look at their, how, how they're away from God. Or, or, or they may be on drugs. Or they may be bound by some other thing. Or whatever it might be. We look at that. He said, don't do that. He said, <clears throat> if you have a spirit of faith, he said, you're not going to look at what you can see. You're going to fix your eyes, your attention, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. What is unseen? Their salvation. Their deliverance. That's what I'm looking at. And I'm going to be, like he said, he said, Abraham called those things which be not as though they were. Isn't that right? So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to say, according to the Word of God, I've taken authority over that evil spirit that's trying to control my family member. I've broken its power. God says, if I believe, my family shall be saved. I declare in Jesus' name. He is saved. He is saved. I see him as saved. I'm going to treat them like they're saved. I'm going to talk to them like they're saved. I'm going to walk in love toward them like they're saved. 
takes faith to do that. <laughs> Amen. Let me give you some action points. Are you accessing your covenant rights in relationship? I'm talking about what we're talking about today in relationship to household salvation. Or have you abdicated them? Have you abdicated them? Stand in the gap for your family members. Stand in the gap. Stand in the gap. I, I, listen, I want to take my family with me, don't you? I want to take my family with me. And, I, and my family members that's already gone, I want to make sure we, we all can have a reunion up there. Amen? I want to take them. It'll be worth it. I said it'll be worth it. I'm telling you, eternity's a long time. That's a long time. And I promise you this, nothing you do here will outweigh the joy and the benefits and the blessing of having your family members throughout eternity. You know you did, man, you did your, I, man, I, I stood in the gap there. I stood for my family. I stood for my family. And then finally, see them saved and serving God. See them saved and serving God. He said, he said, while we look not. You know, God's given us a powerful tool called, it's, it's an imagination. And we can take our imagination and feed it with the Word of God, the promises of God, and with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can absolutely see them saved and serving God. And we can see that until it becomes more real than what we see out here. Amen. Speak the word only, the centurion said. And my servant will be free. Speak the word only. And your child, your grandchild, your niece, your, whoever it might be, shall be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's what I want us to do. We're going to pray this morning. And of course, we've got the names of family members down here, but <clears throat> we prayed over them. But, you know, I want to encourage you, and those of you watching out there, let's take authority. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. But while you're there, take authority. I know you've been praying, you know, for, for your family members and for, for God to save them and for their hearts to be open and all those things, and that's fine, that's good. But this morning as I pray, let's take authority, okay, over whatever uh, a spirit may be controlling them. Amen? Whatever it is. It may be a spirit of unbelief. It may be uh, uh, they've been wounded and hurt by Christians. Come on. Whatever it might be. They might be bound by some kind of addiction of some kind. But whatever it is, we're going to take authority over them in the name of Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. 
For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church. 